welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Oh yeah, very exciting. Uh, you know, um, that Bible passage that Tim read, it, uh, it records the, the second part of what is simply the greatest historical event the world's ever seen. The death of Jesus on Good Friday that we remember, obviously being the first part of that, and um, in, in doing so, Jesus took our place, our punishment, on the cross. It was simply the, the most brutal public means of execution, perhaps ever throughout history. Uh, and, uh, and, and in doing that, Jesus satisfied justice and he makes a way for us to be forgiven and to be set free from our sin. And his blood, we remember around communion, we're not doing it this morning because we did that on Friday, we often do it, but we were focusing on the resurrection. But of course, we take a bit of wine or juice and that represents his blood. And Jesus said, this is the new covenant. In other words, the new relationship that he was making available for people to have with God. And for the first time ever, any individual on earth could have a direct personal relationship with their creator without any barrier, without any special ceremony, without a need for a priest to mediate between them because Jesus, the Bible says, is our high priest and we go through him to God by grace, through faith, wow, and we have this relationship with God. Isn't that amazing? And all we do is simply believe in Jesus. And so having died, here we are a few days later on Easter Sunday and Jesus defeats death and the power of God raises him up out of the grave, moves the stone and out he comes. And in doing so, he fulfills what has been promised through the Old Testament, what Jesus referred to himself a number of times in that he is the resurrection and the life. You know, you read that statement. Jesus gives seven great I am statements that John records. And one of them in John eleven twenty five, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Isn't that awesome? He's bringing that life, that power to bear, you know, to, to earth. And so we call Easter Sunday Resurrection Sunday. In fact, every Sunday we celebrate his resurrection. Uh, I love, uh, you know, the Russian language. Their word for Sunday, Vaskrasenya, is exactly the same word for resurrection. It's just the word they have for Sunday. What are you doing on Saturday? Um, Going to the footy. What are you doing on resurrection? I'm going to church, of course, to celebrate the resurrection. It's that, that's the language. How cool is that? And so um, that's what we do every Sunday, but particularly this Sunday. And so Jesus rises. I mean, there's the gospel. That's my best effort in three and a half minutes. Yesterday, can I just say, we talk about weekly witness, and it's so exciting. You've got to prayerfully be looking, especially now. You know, we've got such a great facility to invite people to come, experience. I mean, that's as good as a flipping CD, nightclub, concert, 
all mixed in together. Sassy's done that kind of singing, I believe. Bethany has done her gigs at different times, but, you know, in the house of God, you get anointed, meaningful music without the smoke. We can bring in smoke machines if you like, you know, but, and, you know, and without the, the anyway, it's all right, you can go to a pub band if you like. I'm not having a go. Go, to, you know, have a beer and listen to some loud rock and roll band if you like but you know hey there's something about music in the house of God that's you know God created music ultimately not just to make you feel sorry for yourself about some lover that you never had anyway you know when you turn on the radio it's always sad so I mean poor Adele you know like I'm not laughing I'm serious she's written some sad songs you know anyway there's you know there's anointed music that takes you to the right place beyond just thinking about life down here but life with the Lord and so, uh, you know, we've got this great facility, great services, great coffee, uh, you know, and everything people need. And so we want people to connect with the Lord. But it's not just here. It's out in the community. I mean, drag them along. Knock them over the head if you like and drag them along and they wake up. What's going on? I'm chained. It's all right. You're going to hear the gospel. Yeah. But out in the community. And we're always praying and looking for opportunities. So yesterday, Luke and I were riding dirt bikes with my heathen friend friends there's a whole bunch of them you know and uh and they eclectic bunch of people and one of them he's a very sincere uh guy he brought up he's italian brought up uh, in a very traditional kind of church environment uh and he sort of got a faith he thought he might go to church on easter sunday but he's kind of anyway but he's he totally we're all they're all having a beer we're all filthy dirty we're standing loading the bikes on and he just says so why did god if he's loving have to kill jesus I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> Theology 101, how long have I got, you know? <laughs> and so you, the Bible says you've got to be ready in season and out of season. I mean, I'm exhausted, you know? We're like, oh, we've just been riding bikes, we're filthy, all the blokes. And, you know, and a couple of them, you know, they, I know they're, they're like, eh, walking away, what's going to be, Chris going to get up on the trailer and preach to us or something, you know? <laughs> But, but Luca, this, uh, this guy, Italian guy, he's just keen and interested. I said, well, okay. So, I, so I, do, I do my best and just tell him the gospel, the whole, the whole deal, you know, and what justice requires punishment, but Jesus took our place and it's awesome and eternal life, the whole thing, you know. And uh, anyway, so, we, you know, we've got to be ready and it's exciting because when you hear from someone who hasn't fully comprehended the gospel, it's an incredible story that we are invited to be part of. And maybe you've been in church for so many years, you've sort of got to slap yourself to remind yourself, how awesome is this? You know, uh, Because Jesus, here's the deal. He didn't just rise up from the dead for his own sake. He's done it for all of us as well. His eternal life is now available for everyone. His resurrection that he spoke of is for us all. In fact, the next part of that passage, that verse that John recorded, when Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life, he didn't leave it at that. The very next statement he said, and if anyone believes in me, they'll never die, but they'll live forever. And so that's, a, and in fact, later in the book of John, a few chapters later, uh, Jesus says, um, because I live, you will also live. And so his life is available for us. His eternal life that we celebrate today is given to us, supernaturally provided by Jesus through grace and, it, and, and, and taken hold of by our faith. And, uh, 
and, and so just the whole concept of eternal life. Throughout the ages, people have looked for some way, miraculously, somehow, of trying to defeat death, of trying to lengthen life and, and work against the natural forces of nature to prevent the bodies that we have from decaying and going beyond what nature dictates into a realm of immortality. And so, you know, in ancient Greece, ambrosia, the food of the gods, spoken of as having these qualities of immortality. And then all throughout history, different cultures, you get into the Middle Ages and you've got the talk of the philosopher's stone and alchemy and the ability to maybe somehow we can find a way of getting metals to produce the uh, elixir of life that would create, you know, uh, eternal life. And, uh, and you've got people who have gone searching through the jungles of South America uh, for some uh, mystical possible rumour of some substance that might be this elixir of life. Others are searching on the sides of mountains in the Himalayas, coming up with a berry or some herb saying, oh, maybe this is it, you know. And it's not just people way uh, back in the ages, even today, people will spend millions of dollars getting their brains frozen, or if they go for the platinum package, the whole deal, they freeze their brains, and they're waiting for cryogenic science to improve to the point that they can be thawed out and zapped back into shape, or somehow, I think they're just going to be mushy. Anything I've ever thawed out in the microwave is never quite the same, you know? And so, I, that's not where I'm putting my trust, even if I did have millions of dollars. Because, meanwhile... The answer is right in front of us. His name is Jesus. And he rose from the dead. And again, not just for his own sake, but for the sake of anyone that wants to follow him through death, through the cross, dying to self. He says, take up your cross. We die. We lose our life. We submit our life into his hands. And then he gives us a brand new life. And it's a whole lot better than the one that we can scratch out for ourselves with our own limited understanding of how things all work. And so you don't have to worry about trying to extend your life unnaturally, working against, you know, desperately trying to stay young looking when all the forces of nature are working against you. Because, you know, when it's your turn to go, there's nothing you can do, really. The time will come, you know. But if you believe in Jesus, you just leave this place to go to a better place. And you'll just be in heaven, in his presence, with the Lord. You'll be there forever. And you'll get a new body. And then you'll think, oh, why is I so fussed about that old one? You know, desperately trying to nip and tuck and push and work out and try to, you know, eventually, it's, the Bible calls it a tent. They wear out, you know. And so we don't have to worry so much about this body. Uh, we've just got to make sure we're heading in the right direction. You get a new body. That's a pretty cool thought, isn't it? Come on. Um, well, it is when you're 56, you know, and you notice there's a few creaks, you know. I'm just saying, you, you know. Oh, thanks, darling. Yeah, great. little moment here. My wife says, oh, fabulous. Thank you, darling. Yeah, it's great. It's very complimentary. Yeah. Um, but here, it's not just about the quantity of life. It's the quality. Jesus provides us with eternal life, but that doesn't begin at the end of this life. It begins as soon as you meet him. And so the quality of our life is incredibly better, improved, different, radically. It's God's life in us, that his resurrection power comes into us. So we, we get to live 
with the Holy Spirit within us. We get to carry the power of God, the, the life of God within us. And we need this because, let's face it, life has a way of throwing stuff at you that doesn't altogether feel great or work out. Or, you know, it's easy to feel oh, beaten up by circumstances and, and situations in life, isn't it? You can get, you know, knocked about, despondent, defeated, even depressed, just going through the stuff of life. And that's why we need Jesus. And, it's, it, and, and let me tell you about two guys that you may have read about who were walking along a road many, many years ago, a road to a place called Emmaus. And we read this in the book of Luke. Uh, and Emmaus is a town about 10 kilometres outside Jerusalem. And these two guys were followers of Jesus, but they had just seen him crucified. And so they were, they were totally lost. In fact, we don't know this for sure, but my guess is as they were going to Emmaus, they were probably going back home. They were probably just going back to their same old. They're just, oh, well, that didn't work out. All their hopes, they thought, here he is. This is the Messiah. They'd heard his teachings. They loved him. They realized he was a prophet uh, sent from God. And they, of course, the, the people at the time were hoping for the new kingdom. Jesus even talked about a kingdom. And yet the Roman oppressive kingdom just killed it. And so it's all lost. What was that? And so they're walking along this road and someone comes alongside to talk to them. It's Jesus. But somehow they don't recognize him. God's hidden the identity of Jesus from them, even though he's talking to them. And so you have this fascinating passage where Jesus comes along and he says, what are you talking about? Why are you so sad? And they respond and basically say, what rock have you been hiding under? Don't you know what's been going on in Jerusalem? And then they tell him about him. <laughs> and they say, oh, well, Jesus, we, we thought he was the one. We thought he was the, the Messiah and bring in the new kingdom and get rid of these flipping Romans and... and Oh, it's just we, it's terrible. They just they executed him, tortured him, you know. And so Jesus then explains to them why he had to suffer, and he takes them through the Old Testament scriptures all day. They're walking along into the evening. They stop. He's going to leave. They say, "No, no, come and have dinner with us." And while they're talking all through this, he's explaining why he had to suffer how the big picture all works out and how he was fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies. And then, it's so cool, God opens their eyes and then suddenly they see who it is. And they just go, oh, Jesus, because they thought they left on the day that he, he rose from the dead. So they're just thinking it's all over. And then there he is, they realise who it is and then he disappears. <laughs> and then there's this classic statement and they look at each other and they say, didn't our hearts burn within us when we were talking with him and he was explaining the scriptures to us? I think there's the presence of God. There's an encounter with God. And what I love about that is they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't even know who Jesus was revealed to them at the time. But their hearts still burned within them. And I reckon in this place, in any place where Jesus is worshipped, where two or three are gathered in your connect group or over coffee or on a Sunday, you don't have to understand everything to encounter God. You know, maybe today you've, 
you might be here, you might be visiting, and you might think, yeah, God, Christianity, uh, it's all very complicated, and what about science and evolution and this and the, and I've heard, and like this guy the other day I'm talking about, he started the conversation by saying, Chris, the documentaries say there's not that much evidence. I've been watching documentaries on TV, and I thought, oh, here we go, because they, you know, they've got a very secular stand, and he talked about, oh, there's not a lot of evidence for the credibility of the Bible, apparently, because the records we have were written, actually, a hundred or more years after the events. Oh, and I said, yeah, well, there's a book, and I'm going to get him, The Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Remember that book where the guy went through all the uh, records of historical books, all the works of antiquity, and the Bible has got more accurate and more numbers of records than others that we would consider completely believable. All the, you know, the Plutarch and Seneca and Homer's Iliad and the Odyssey and all that. Or no one's got any original man- manuscripts. They're all copies because all the originals are lost. But some, and so they'll say, oh, hundreds of years later, there's enough copies that are all the same found in all different parts of the Roman Empire or wherever. This is credible. And the Bible outweighs all these numbers. Anyway, why did I get on to that? My friend and credibility of the Bible. Believe the Bible. It's all good. Heart's burning. Oh, flip. I'm totally getting too excited. Must be Easter or something. Wow. Must be the Easter eggs. There's eight different messages going on here right now with all these helpful people. I'm tempted to just give them a microphone and sit down and go and have an Easter egg. Give me a hot cross bun. It's been a big, big day. It's exciting. Um, look, uh, let me just find some notes here. I did write something down. Um, the deal is, for these guys, uh, they encountered him. Oh, that's right. I'm talking about you don't have to understand everything. There might be something in the, yeah, the Bible like, oh, what about this? It seems to contradict and all that. I'm just saying, listen, you don't have to have all the doctrine and all the theology and everything nutted out to meet with God, to have a relationship with God. Hey, come on, married people, are you ever going to understand your spouse? Come on, am I only talking to the men here? I don't want to be sexist, but come on. You know, we don't, like, what is going on inside that headspace? You know, I don't understand, you know, but you still love them. You still have a relationship with them. You just don't understand them, you know? What do you love that? You, you, they're just, they're... He said, you wouldn't understand. Okay, so, so here, this is how psycho, I mean, how individualistic and, and unique my wife is. We're sleeping the other night, and I wake up. I'm a light sleeper, right? I wake up because Ruth's picked up my finger. I'm lying there, right? And I'm aware she picks up my finger. I wake up, but she immediately, she picks up and goes, ah! and then drops it, and it scares her. And I think... You picked it up. It's, it's not a spider. It's my body. You've seen it for 32 years. It's, no, it's just... So she wakes me up. She wakes herself up. Oh, she goes straight back to sleep. And 10 minutes later, I'm there going, what was that? You know, and my, anyway, so we don't understand wives or husbands, depending on... You know, but we still love them. We still have a relationship with them. And so this is where these guys are at. Our hearts were strangely warm. Jesus was there. I didn't fully understand. I just want to say... If you, if you struggle with some of the intellectual, you can work it out. You can nut it out. I'm not that inclined. I'm the wrong person to prove to you the 
Ruth will talk to you and sort you out if you like. You want to nut out why this happened and why does God allow that? But I, did, I totally experience God even when I don't understand everything. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. There's, I'm sure there's some mysteries in life and some stuff, but we can still encounter him and know him. And so I just want to say, if you're on a road like those guys were, if you're on a road where you're despondent and things haven't worked out and there's problems and difficulties and even tragedies, Jesus can show up and he brings his life and an encounter with him turns things around. Because I would, they said, all we know about these two guys is they turned around immediately and went back to Jerusalem. And they went and told the guys, guys, have you heard? And they said, yeah, we've already heard. Oh, and then Jesus was around for 40 more days. And I would be led to believe that those two guys didn't end up at Emmaus back, you know, selling fish and chips or whatever they did in the old days. But they were back there in Jerusalem following the call in the upper room there on Pentecost, birthing the church, probably got martyred. You know, there's another good evidence for the scriptures. If all these guys were believing a lie, how come they all were happy to die for it over the next 30, 40 years, you know? If it was just some made-up story. They were all like, no, no, this is true. We're going to kill you if you keep saying it. Whatever, do your worst. Peter even goes, crucify me. You want to crucify me? Do it upside down. Okay, fine. You know? And so they're all believing it. And I reckon these two guys just totally lent right back into their calling, their... their God-given destiny because of that encounter and the life of God came into them. And, and the, the life of the resurrection power of God, you know, I mentioned that we've all got our time when we're going to die. But what if it's not your time? The power of God is available to do something miraculous if necessary, right up to raising someone from the dead. Every aspect of life can be touched by the power of God, including Life itself having to be restored. Like this movie that's just been released based on the true story of the boy in America called Breakthrough, they called the movie. This boy, John Smith, classic. Not an extraordinary name, but an extraordinary story. He's on the ice. I think it's Michigan, late winter. Ice is... This is in the news only three, four, five years ago. And he, um, he fell through the ice. And uh, his mates ran for help. Emergency services come. They finally got him 15 minutes after he had gone under. Drowned, of course, dead. Take him to hospital. Doctors work on him. Then they give him up, pronounce him dead. In steps mum, adoptive mother, woman of faith, and says, no, this is not the way it's going to be. We've had the same scenario with Rashida's and Raj's little boy, uh, Jedediah. And, uh, and so she says no, and she starts praying nearly an hour after he was dead, his heart starts again. And they say, all right, well, there's a pulse, but he's going to have permanent brain damage because he's been dead for too long. No, won't have that either. Praise, power of God, resurrection, power of God, raise him back to life. Within days, he walks out of the hospital. Four years later, he's absolutely completely normal. And the doctors say, it's a miracle because it is. Because they couldn't do it or explain it, but God can. Yeah? How awesome is that? Now, of course, you're probably in not such a dramatic need for the resurrection of power of God, right? But wherever we're at, whatever, wherever we find ourselves, Jesus is there. His power is there. His love is there. His life is there. And he's no longer hanging on a cross. He's no longer stuck in a tomb. He's alive and well, yeah? And that's what we celebrate today. He's defeated death. 
He's all-powerful and he's here to save us, to help us, to meet with us and to heal us, to bless us, to lead us all the way through this great life into eternal life with him. Isn't that awesome? And we celebrate that. And so let's pray. And, uh, and as we pray, I just want you to consider Jesus. If you've never had a real personal relationship with him. I mean, we get pretty excited because, hey, I mean, we'll clap and, oh, we clap and sing and jump for joy at football games. And then, so why not? Why not for this incredible act of grace and love that has saved our souls and given us eternal life? That's the reality. Jesus changes our life. He gives us a new life. If you've never encountered him, if you don't walk and talk with him, then I want to encourage you to meet with him today. In fact, I'm going to pray a prayer right now, a prayer of commitment of our lives into his hands, of our broken down beaten up hearts that he takes and makes anew, breathes his life into. And so if you need to pray a prayer of commitment to God, pray with me right now. It might be the first time or it might be a recommitment of your relationship with him. Just pray these words where you are. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin, for all my mistakes. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your sacrifice. And I ask that you come into my heart to save me and to help me follow you all the days of my life. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God, touch our hearts. Help us to walk those prayers out to live that commitment out for your glory, for the betterment of mankind, to help shine your light into the world and the community around us, to keep walking with the Holy Spirit in this community of faith and of hope and of love. Thank you again for this great facility. Thank you for all the great meetings we're going to have as we raise you up in awareness. Thank you for your touch on everyone here today. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.